Hello, I'm Steve Evans. And I'm Alex Grove. Welcome to Talk of the Times, which today is about borders. We are sitting down with Canberra Times journalists Dan Jervis Barty and Lucy Bladen to talk about how the recent outbreaks in Victoria and New South Wales are affecting Canberrans. Everything seemed to change, Dan, it seemed to me, on New Year's Eve. So what happened on on New Year's Eve was Victoria decided that they were going to to shut the border to New South Wales. And the the concern from their perspective was that the growing cluster that had started in the northern beaches and then cases started popping up in, in Greater Sydney. So Victoria decided to close their border to New South Wales. South Australia made a similar decision. And of course, what we've seen in the subsequent days after that is the ACT also moving to to strengthen its border restrictions against people from Sydney coming into the ACT. Where do we stand now? From an ACT perspective, at the moment, people from Greater Sydney, the Central Coast and Wollongong, they are not legally allowed to be in the ACT. There are police checkpoints at the borders. If they, by some means, find themselves within the ACT, they can be fined $8,000. That is for non-ACT residents, so Canberrans can still come back, but they're required to self-isolate. That's the most significant restriction from an ACT perspective. And ACT people going, I don't know, to the test in Sydney? The advice from the ACT government is do not travel to Greater Sydney. Now, of course, if... A Canberran was to go up and and watch a few days of the test match. If they then wanted to return, they would need to quarantine for for 14 days. So you're making a decision of whether or not two days of the test is is worth spending a fortnight at home. Luce, you and Steve are both in Queanbeyan. How has the restrictions affected you guys? There's no restrictions that have really affected us in terms of coming over to, to the ACT. However, we are banned from going to Victoria, South Australia and Western Australia, whereas ACT residents are not. Where the restrictions, I guess, there's a bit of a loophole you could say, is that people who have travelled to and from Sydney are able to walk and wander freely around Queanbeyan whereas in the ACT they're not. So that kind of begs the question, like Steve and I could be enjoying a meal down at the pub. There could be somebody who recently travelled to Sydney who has a COVID case. Steve and I obviously come into the Territory every day for our jobs and we mix with a lot of people. So begs the question that how much can you actually protect the ACT when there's no restrictions on regional New South Wales or there's no restrictions on Sydney siders coming from regional New South Wales? And Dan, it seems the response from the ACT police has been a lot faster and almost more heavy-handed than it was in the past. It has been different. Now, the, the Chief Health Officer made some comments earlier on this week when asked why a different approach. Now, she's obviously not in control of the police response, but she's talked about why the recent outbreak in Sydney is different to the previous ones. Now, we cast our mind back to July and August where we had the outbreak at the Crossroads Hotel when that was occurring, we didn't see the ACT government having police at the border, police patrolling New South Wales licence plates. So the difference in this case, according to the Chief Health Officer, is that the outbreak, when it started on the northern beaches, it did spread to Greater Sydney. She's also concerned about the fact that it happened over Christmas when people are moving around town and they're mixing with people and, and so forth. So there are a few characteristics that makes her think that it's it's quite different 
Now, the results in recent days have been quite good, quite positive. It looks like the New South Wales government has got on top of it. The other difference is by, I guess, shielding the ACT from Greater Sydney, it's also giving the other states more confidence to open their borders and allow ACT residents to travel to Queensland or South Australia or Western Australia. Who's driving this thing when borders close then, Lucy? Is it the scientists or is it the politicians? Is it the science driving it or is it the politics? You could argue that it is a political decision. You know, none of the chief health officers across the states and territories have ever actually recommended that borders be shut. It's been a decision of the politicians. And a perfect example of this is both Queensland and the Northern Territory had some of the tightest border restrictions last year when the pandemic uh, really kicked off. But this time they've been less heavy handed in terms of shutting the border to New South Wales. Both of them have only shut the borders to Greater Sydney. And why that's funny is both the Northern Territory and Queensland had elections last year. So it seems that they've become less heavy-handed and it'll be interesting to see what happens in WA which is set for an election in coming months. Completely agree I think it's whilst each jurisdiction the the premiers or the chief ministers their public response is we're basing our decisions on the health advice ultimately the the advice in a lot of those jurisdictions it's it's up to the politicians to to make the the decision and what we've seen where approaches appeared to change after elections is that they're incredibly, these border closures have been politically popular. Mark McGowan, who's the Western Australian Premier, who's had the, the hardest and the longest border closure, his approval rating has been as high as 90%, which is unheard of. If point scoring wasn't involved, what alternative could there be instead of these hard border closures that we're doing at the moment? The Prime Minister has been advocating for a hotspot approach. So a hotspot approach is where you either lock down or restrict movement from certain local government areas. And we've seen that, you you know, the Northern Territory, Tasmania, ACT and Queensland has definitely adopted that with local government areas in Greater Sydney, Wollongong, Blue Mountains and Central Coast. A much more focused, not this bludgeon of the whole state closing down, but just find out where the areas of infection are. Yeah, definitely. So finding out those areas, putting down lockdowns for a couple of days, I certainly has been advocated by the Prime Minister. This political thing worries me a bit because uh, for the international thing, there is no incentive, it seems to me, to the government to open up the border. All the politics says keep them out just in case. And there's already reaction against people coming back. I talked to a chap who's come back from Germany and he says he goes online and there are death threats to people coming back. So what hope is there of opening borders internationally, do you think, as we look at this thing unfolding over the months, I don't say years, but please, not years. There's two separate points here. The first is about getting Australians who are overseas that want to come home, home. And I think that the point that it's reached now where we have more than 30,000 Australians overseas unable to get home is is a frankly quite ridiculous situation and that has to be resolved and it has to be done as soon as possible. The, the second issue around opening up international borders for travel... In terms of when that's going to happen, certainly the vaccine is is going to help. But, Steve, you make a really great point. I mean, we've shown that, yes, there was 
a we had a horrific quarter in terms of economic activity. We're in recession, but we are starting to recover. Do we need international travel? Do we need visitors on the scale that we have previously from an economic perspective? Is it worth the gamble? Certainly in the long term we need to, but what's going to be that trigger? I don't know. There are signs, though, of Scott Morrison bending a bit. There's been a bit of pressure to bring vaccination forward, Mm. and he's bent on that, hasn't he? But that's pressure from within Australia. Yeah, so they've brought forward the timeline ever so subtly. I think it's it's a couple of weeks to early March, but the, the line has been quite consistent for the past couple of months at least, is that the situation in Australia in terms of cases is orders of magnitude different to what they're experiencing in the US and the UK. And Australia, as a result, has time to be able to wait, assess the efficacy of the rollout in other countries. But if we continue to see other clusters popping up, that pressure might grow for the government to, you know, give the TGA a tap on the shoulder and and tell them to get a wriggle on. And a trans-Tasman bubble. Forget it. It's up to Jacinda. (laughs) Finally, and you can't know, and it's not answerable, how's this thing going to pan out? Well, if you ask the Chief Minister of the ACT, we're going to be living through this. 2021 isn't going to be any better than 2020. And even when the vaccine comes, where pandemics last for years, and I think as a community, perhaps we have to to reconcile with that fact. Whilst in the ACT, we're living relatively normally. I think being able to get to the point where it's exactly back to what it was, perhaps we'll never ever be back there. I don't have a crystal ball and I think it is really hard to determine when things are going to go back to normal but I think we are going to be living with it for the next few years and I think we just have to be count ourselves very lucky that we live in a place where we have relatively good freedoms. We can still go to the pub, have a drink, have a dance maybe not in the same format we could before but at least we've got some semblance of normality where we are. On that not completely pessimistic note Thank you both very much indeed. Lucy Bladen, Dan Jervis Bardi. And thank you for listening. I'm Alex Crowe. And I'm Steve Evans. Listen again to Talk of the Times next week. <laughs>